This is In Search of Tracks podcast. We mean it, man. Hi, Bob. Hey, Pete. How are you? That was pretty good. Is it good? No. I, 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 I really uh, I practiced hard for that one. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I'd give you one of my least favorite moments of the album we're about to talk about right up front. Oh, man. Well, thank you to everybody for joining us here on In Search of Tracks podcast. <laughs> uh, it is not our last episode. It will not be. But boy... Sometimes, Pete, um, I feel like the uh, I feel like we're in the midsection of one of those '80s style fitness VHSs. Like we're wearing leotards, and it's like, all right, push it to the limit, and we're like, <laughs> we're going really hard, and you can kind of see like there's a a moment of panic on my face. Like, wait, how much longer? I can't keep going much longer. That's uh, that's where we push ourselves with some of these records, buddy. Yeah, not who all. Knew that, who knew that it would be this one that 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 made you feel that way? <sighs> I had a feeling. Yeah, you know, um, there were some redeeming tracks. Uh, Pete, let's 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 let the people know what we're talking about. We're talking about the Sex Pistols album, the only Sex Pistols album. Never mind the bollocks. Mm. Mm. Pete, when's the first time you heard this record? I'm not gonna lie; it wasn't early in my. No, kind me of involvement neither. with punk. Me neither. Yeah, it was it was always something that I kind of just strayed away from for whatever reason, and then it just became there. There came a point where you just kind of have to buy it or hear it or something. Bite the so I, yeah, I pick, I picked it up at some point. I still actually have a vinyl copy of it, um, but I have not listened to it in maybe since I bought it. I don't know. Um, um, spoiler, I don't own it. I will not be adding it to my collection. Interesting. But, when did um, you hear it? So it's one of two things. What is the last, when is the, when have I given this a headphones or like given it a fair one? Listen, I was over 30 for okay. sure. Yeah. Like a, all right. Let me, let me academic this, you know, let me try it um, and see if I get anything out of it. The first time I ever heard this record being played by people, I believe I was hanging out with some weird goth punk dirtbags uh, in the town over from mine um, who conveniently had a weird like backyard shed that was like the ultimate in dirtbag hangouts. That sounds fun. Like, like you would think so. Like, <laughs> speaking of, it was like a. I think it was a group of like seven, eight, nine of us, and the girl to guy ratio was th- at least two to one, maybe three to one. Okay. So, like, to be honest, you're fourteen, fifteen. You're like, that's that's cool. That's pretty good. You know. Sure. It was awful. It was like one of the lamest hangouts I've ever been a part <laughs> of. Um. But I'm sure, I'm pretty sure um, someone was playing this record. Um, it was decidedly before I was like into hardcore. Like I was starting to become aware of it. Um, but it was just like, oh, these weird kids. I'll go hang out with them sometime. All right. Um, uh, so, so you know, the not you might hear the like in my mouth because of that experience. But here we are talking about Sex Pistols, Never Mind the Bollocks, uh, in 2022, probably an easy 25 years after that experience. Um, yeah, it's been a while. 
Jesus Christ. Um, you said something that I think we'll circle back to uh, that I don't know if it was avoided or it didn't feel like it came into my circle as we discuss on this podcast pretty frequently. We both come from a background of being into punk and hardcore, especially as young, young fellas. Um, yo, this was not part of my getting into punk. Yeah. In fact, like finding out there was a world of that music of this, like music that was like, it's hard for me to say it was rebelling against that, but that it almost stood as an affront to that, that it was like, Hey, this music doesn't all have to be about like charged hair and, you know, uh, (laughs) Uh, plaid pants, you know. Right. I was like, "Oh, okay, that's cool. All right, all right. Now you, you had my attention. Now you've got my interest." Um, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, there were bands of the time. I mean, we can get into it, but there were bands of the time who were doing things more aligned with, I guess, what I am interested in, was interested in, than the Sex Pistols were. Um, oh yeah. You know, I mean, the Damned were around and putting yeah. records out the jam were around putting records out um, yeah. wire were around putting records out like yeah there were a lot of bands and a lot of cool like quote-unquote boys stuff. like there's so many of these <laughs> bands um so and 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 uh, let me just be clear like most of my punk hardcore etc education especially early wasn't super 70s centered for it sure was, 80s and then after and to the current day into the mid 90s absolutely but but you know <laughs> when it circled around to this i there was a bit of a rejection to this so we're going to get into that more and more as we talk about this um speaking of the band really weird question but would you consider yourself a fan of the sex pistols i don't I don't know that I would. I don't think I do at all. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, and we'll get it get into it in the track by track, I guess, but like there are really, really iconic riffs on this. There yes. are iconic it's an iconic album, like yep. obviously. Yep. It's maybe one of the most important rock and roll albums of all time. No question. Like no question, right? So and and sometimes I hear those songs. And like when I'm just kind of out, out and about, and I hear yeah, the sex in the pistols, world. sure, sure. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, this song is cool. This is a catchy song. But when I sit down to listen to it, for some reason, that romance is like not there at all. So it's <laughs> yeah. like I almost think of them the way that I think of like a like a like a radio rock band, where like when the song comes on, I'm into it, but I'm not putting it on my personal playlists. I'm not going home and listening to it i'm not driving around listening to it but if i hear it walking around the uh the stop and shop like hey cool you know yeah, does it get played <laughs> and stop and sh- i'm seeing it in the background of like video <laughs> clips and movies i just uh, i just wish it did but but I'm you, know, you know what i mean how i feel about this i'll hear it at bars you know yeah that's right i'm not in love so don't forget it it's just the silly phase i'm going through um yo sex pistols i'm not in love <laughs> everything you said is right it is a it is an undeniably important record it's a culturally relevant record it's a 
like milestone it's this weird touchstone not just of like punk music but of rock music period um what i'm excited to do is talk about the record in a way that i hope people find unique because i don't hear many people talk about some of the stuff that i pulled that i was more interested in than a lot of stuff people go to which i find uh boring drab and sometimes straight up repugnant i think it's important just so we can give some context who's this band where are they from how they get started sex pistols london band uh starts in 1976 really we're only around for a two-year-ish window i believe i believe only from 76 to 78 this is their only album pete you want to fill in some folklore uh folklore so what we want to talk about malcolm mclaren and all yeah, of that sure, why not well, i mean yeah so malcolm mclaren a fashion guy is that a fair way to say it? The manager, I mean, yeah, right? he was like, involved with Vivian Westwood. Um, yes. They had a they had a shop in London called Sex, um, yep. which I think the name may have changed a little bit later. But um, Vivian Westwood, um, you know, famous in the fashion world, yes. um, very much kind of created the Sex Pistols aesthetic, as far as I understand it. Yes, um, and then Malcolm McLaren kind of came on as their kind of shoehorned himself in there as their manager. Um, it's unclear. I, th- I, I, from my recollection, I read about this a lot at one point, whether Steve Jones, the guitar player of sex pistols kind of convinced him to be their manager early on or whether right. he was more interested. I don't know, but like ultimately he became their manager and became somewhat like more than a manager where he was kind of dictating, what they were doing, what they were wearing, where they played, you know, not so much what they said, but like really like deciding on song titles or, and things like that, where, you know, normally the band would make those decisions. Malcolm McLaren mm-hmm. became kind of like a fifth or sixth member of the band making a lot of important decisions. And uh, so, so, you know, you'll hear people talk about how they were kind of this manufactured band. That's not like really true. But they definitely had an influence there that I think most bands typically don't have, especially at that time. Well, at that time with this kind of energy. um, So it's easy for haters to dismiss them as, you know, this like fake punk band that were kind of crafted and et cetera. And like, in honesty, there is an element of that. But it's not fair. It's a little. It's a little heavy-handed to to lean into that. So, anyways, yeah. McLaren was involved. They were very much about the look and aesthetic and fashion, as well as the attitude, um, and energy. And sort of that's what gained them as much notoriety as it did, because it had the shock and awe factor, mm-hmm. much more so than it was about like the music or you know the qualitative good. Like, you know, right, right. does this matter? Does this feel like something people should listen to? Um, you know, it's it's certainly interesting. It's no-brainer why we would discuss this record. Um, it's pivotal, as we mentioned, not just in music, but for a lot of music that came after it. Um, and we're here, Pete, to talk about if we actually think it's good <laughs> and like what parts of it are good. 
And are there tracks? And are there tracks? But before we do that, I wanted to ask you, does this record or band matter in a post-Nirvana, to a post-Nirvana audience, aka someone who was born after Nirvana was a band? I think that, off the top of my head, I think that, they had the same impact essentially um, in different ways for yeah. different eras. Yeah. So, so no, not really because Nirvana are now the most recent kind of version of that. Like right. when sex pistols came along, the biggest bands out there were like, uh, yes. And King Crimson and like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and all these, especially in the UK, like these huge, just bloated prog rock projects um, that, you know, had kind of sort of very quickly begun to, I think, to outstay their welcome, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, when you have like a double LP and there's four songs on it, it's like, it's kind of wild. Yes. Um, and I think mm-hmm. people were getting a little tired of like 20 musicians on stage and organs and all these th- crazy things. So, so Sex Pistols kind of were the exact opposite of that, where it was just, it was raw. They were cursing. They were, you know, singing about the queen and being political and, and, you know, no holds barred. And it sounded more like the stooges or something than anything else, which, you know, obviously is the opposite of how yes sound. So that's kind of what Nirvana did in the nineties, right? Where it was like the end of the hair metal era. It was just Mm -hmm. like all this, these, this bloated stuff with like, long guitar leads and you know dressing up in leather and all this you know all the hair metal stuff uh they had that same effect where they kind of just like brought it back to basics yeah and and, and seemingly kind of uh cut and opened cleared the way for people to go okay 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 music doesn't have to be this 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 thing that it grew to be it can be a stripped down energy based on a song and it doesn't have to be like everything you said i i think that's an important part it's notable it's worthwhile were the they the only band doing it no no chance there were many others however they were the one who really stood out um for a lot of reasons i think if you deny the impact of the energy around them and that like that vibe and like the aesthetic and how much that mattered well you're denying a huge part of that importance um so i I think it's it's kind of uh, that stuff let me speak plainly to me is such a turnoff um and it made me really like question the ideas of what what music is or what art is if it's based purely on who's doing it and how they look, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a, a worthwhile question. Like, is it just, is it just the, are you separating the art from the artist? Is the artist part of the art? You know, um, how much, how much does it matter? How much does, can you say like, hey, this snotty vocal done by a guy who looks like he's in the Beatles wouldn't hit the same way as if you know. <laughs> it's like, Oh, huh? I don't know. And you know, there's been every different variation of it at this point. But let me say 
for me personally, always found the emphasis on the aesthetic and like, oh, they were so crazy and, you know, like Johnny Rotten uh, seems lame to me. That's (laughs) lame. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, I have to acknowledge very directly a lot of that is what helped this band whose music mm, cut through and help pave a way for a lot of stuff I actually do really like. So what what what's in worth, basically? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I have a few thoughts there. I mean, I was thinking about the Vivian Westwood thing. I mean, she's like huge, huge, huge in the fashion world. And I don't know much about the fashion world. I should, I would have my wife on to discuss that if we ever want to do that. But like, Mm. if you, if you kind of like split it where it's like, if we just talk about the fashion, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether you like it or not, you know, it was, it was, it was basically created by a person that ended up being, you know, hugely successful in that space. And and that aesthetic ended up being hugely, you know, influential over I mean, time, right? I mean, so like, I mean, hugely influential in the moment, and then dictated the look of the next three decades, essentially. Exactly. In both, uh, um, like immediate follow ups, evolutions of, and then reactions to. Right. You know, like the the fashion movements from that are numerous, and you see it every single day. Yeah. Like the looks. And and what what was done with the idea of what punk as a fashion thing were introduced such a different breed into fashion. And like, yeah, and again, I'm not Joe Fashion, but you can really feel it and you don't have to know much to look around and see how big of a deal this was. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's been adopted by the mainstream at this point. Like Rancid were one of the biggest rock bands in the nineties and you know, they were, they had spiky hair and leather jackets, right? They're still an enormous band. If you see a punk walking around, it's no longer a threat, you know, just well, like tattoos right. are no longer threatening. Right. Well, and so I, like, mean, I, I think, I think you feel it immediately in the mainstream as soon as new wave hit in the eighties. Yeah. In that, like all of a sudden, all these records, all these things were taking from punk and kind of evolving it. And then, you had responses to it and even you know i just the proliferation of it is perhaps as impactful as it's been to music if not more so because i think in a po- speaking fashion wise post punk as a look so much of it is responsive to it oh sure and it's like maybe as impactful more impactful than than punk as a music was so yeah um it's it's kind of a funny it's a it's a neat way i liked how you parse that split that up because i think those two things could be compared and contrast more often yeah i mean because then if you think of just about the music and like kind of take the aesthetic out of it like i don't know how far that actually went i feel like the bands even the punk bands that came after you know, I'm not I'm not sure how much they're pulling from the Sex Pistols or, you know, if it's other bands of the time, because like we said, I mean, the Ramones were, pl- were playing music. All these other bands were playing music at the time. I will say, though, like the Sex Pistols being kind of the nirvana of that time. Mm-hmm. I uh, I actually came across before, you know, when we were listening to the the record for this episode. I came across uh, Noel Gallagher from Oasis talking about the Sex Pistols and how uh, Nevermind the Bollocks is one of his favorite records of all time. Hmm, he basically he basically said something along the lines of, 
you know, if I could, if I could have written the riff for God Save the Queen, I'd give up my entire career. Like that would be good enough. That's just like the riff. And I think that's a crazy statement. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like a kid growing up in England at that time, you know, in the early 80s, late 70s, probably heard that and was like, this is, this is it, you know, just the same way that people heard Nirvana or kids heard Nirvana at the time and like picked up a guitar and learned to play. So like, it is very much the the impact was certainly there at the time. I think that's faded, but like for those people who were into it at the time, you can't, you can't really like even play down how important and impactful it must've been. Yeah, no, I'm fully on that. I think it's, uh, and luckily Oasis didn't dress like Sex Pistols Jesus, that would have been a bummer Um, here's what I will say and I want to talk about it more Um, I'll ask you music speaking what struck you about this record holistically the big picture just musically just musically Um, just how it doesn't feel even at the time like what was going on it doesn't feel uh, like special mm-hmm. i guess compared to all of the stuff that was going on um and and you know i know that they were very much influenced by the stooges i think they covered the mm-hmm. stooges on one of their singles like i like the stooges a lot um this is like it almost feels like a weird like exaggerated poor man's version of the stooges at times. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it came a long time, a while after the stooges. Um, but like, I don't know. When did the stooges record come out? Like 1969. Hold on. Is it is 1969. Yeah. So, so, so the fact that like, that stuff had been around for almost 10 years at that point. It just like, it doesn't seem to have moved the needle all that much aside from like the snotty vocals. I feel like, I feel like, um, Johnny rotten, John Lydon, like he just oozes personality. And -hmm. I think had he not been in the mix, it, it, it wouldn't have been what it ended up being. No, no, not even close. Like, not even close. Um, no. Uh, so, so, so I don't know. I mean, to answer your question in a short way, like, I just, I, I was affected by, like, how I feel like for such an impactful record, it, it, it almost feels like a little bit behind the time in a way. No, I mean, so I think that the Stooges are in there, no question. Undeniable. But, like, I don't, I don't think this is better than any of the first three Stooges records, right? Like, like not even close. Yeah, right. And I'm Because those not, are actually like great records. <laughs> great records, great. So that's there. I think there's some nascent awareness of some of the stuff that's happening in New York around the same time, like a familiarity with that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was... Like I was, the, the one song really was hitting me like it was almost like a, a New York Dolls kind of energy. Um yeah, yeah. Like there was some New York dolls in a little bit of it, and like there's definitely an awareness of glam and like oh for sure. The, you know what I mean? Like, here's what I will say that I don't think people talk about. 
and I'll give the positive. This record has riffs. Like yeah. it's it's Steve Jones, guitar player. Yo, uh, um, he's got some riffs. Dude, hundred percent. Yeah. And like no one talks about that because you're so caught in this weird vortex of John Lydon and like snotty vocals and like the and I'm like, wow, like there's actually some riffs on this record that cut through even when I want to say the drumming is about the laziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't want to say it's bad. It's just very rudimentary. Is that accurate? Like, like I can, I can say that on submission, they're forced to do something different with the per- per- percussion. Yeah. But outside of that, Pete, I think if you gave me a week, I could play drums on the rest of this record. I think you probably could. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not the strongest part no, of the record. No, I think it's and I think it negatively. It might be a little it. Be, it might be a little bit better than Sid Vicious's original bass lines if we were to sure, hear them. Sure, sure. I mean, so that's that's the thing that gets lost. So you get this like Sid Vicious, his whole story, who kills himself in '79. Sid and Nancy, you want to hear the punk love story? Go find that. You know. Um, you have Johnny Rotten, singer, who's, you know, all that he is. But then you have, and, and then you have a subpart drum thing going on. And then, but you have these riffs that are decidedly 70s, decidedly catchy, and, and like big. They're big like riffs. Big rock riffs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, dude was not afraid. Like, he was like, he was ready for the, uh, he was ready for the arena. Um, for sure. And, I think that gets lost in the shuffle. And so hopefully we talk about it. One of the things that throws me is, and one of the questions I'll ask as we talk about this is, were, were, were these songs being treated like vocal vehicles? Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes I feel it and sometimes I don't and we, yeah. we'll touch that, but it's, it's, uh, I also think the vocals vacillate in quality quite a bit too. Sometimes, they work well with the song and sometimes it feels like they're really at odds. And there's a time that I can see some of that stuff. I I can think of a few records where I think it almost feels like a strain on the record where it's, you know, uh, if a drummer's playing too fast and it's almost like the music's trying to keep up with it or a singer is really going all out and it's pushing and pulling, it can create a, a contrast attention with the music that adds to the entire thing i'm not feeling that here when when rotten's vocals are pushing out and doing wacky oddball stuff or trying to go a little too far it doesn't feel like a service to the record at most points and i i think that that <clears throat> creates this odd listening experience at least for me where I'm, where I'm kind of like, wait, are they competing with it? They're competing for my attention for sure, but I'm trying to find out what what it is, what is the dynamic there. Um, I also think the vocal production is really all over the map because mm. there's certain tracks later on in the record, it really evens out. I think once you get into Pretty Vacant and, and Submission, like the vocals are in the mix. Mm-hmm. On God Save the Queen, it's literally the vo- the vocal track is louder. You know right? I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's turned all the way up. So, um, 
Which is weird that like, I, I, I don't know the details, but I know this record was recorded in different places at different yep. times, kind of over a few months, I think. So I think like, so. like, and that kind of stands out as you were saying in the production, like when you listen to the track by track. So it's, it's interesting that a record that became so impactful is kind of so kind of sloppily done in that way. Well, right. In like, um, so, so we can pull back and let's 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 frame it as a positive and say, hey, they were showing that maybe it doesn't have everything doesn't have to be so evened out and perfect and pretty, you know, and and so smooth. It can be cobbled together. And yo, man, I, I'm here for it. You know, like call me Jimmy live recording in the middle of a, a an elf studio <laughs> album, but but. <clears throat> On the negative side, I just it feels haphazard in a way where someone tells you it was done intentionally, but it fucking wasn't. <laughs> you right. Know? Yeah. Like it's like it's like the person who's who gives you something, it's like, hey, um, you misspelled the first word on in the title. It's like, yeah, I I know. I, it was done <laughs> on purpose. It's it's challenging the reader to do blah blah blah. It's like you lying ass liar. That ain't real. <laughs> so, right. Pete, without further ado, let's jump into this track by track. Sex Pistols, never mind the bollocks. Let's go. Holidays in the sun. I love this riff. I love the descending riff of it. Um, I think the vocals suck. I'm not here for it. <laughs> now, I will say this. There are points where I feel like they're better. But this song, I think they are decidedly shit. Okay. And um, and that's a big crux. Like I, I'm, I'm announcing my bias is that I'm just not here for Johnny Rotten. Yeah. And Are you a public image guy? I think some of it's good. <laughs> I've I've honestly I've never done the dive on public image. I I did one not long ago and was amazed by how much I found it like pretty good. Like there's there's some stuff that I'm I'm cool with, but I'm not here for this. How different um, are his vocals on public image versus Sex Pistols? Are different. they like completely different or like still a little <laughs> bit snotty like rolling the Rs? I mean, there's some pitchiness and stuff you can't control in his voice, but like, sure, there's just not nearly like I, I, by my estimation, the affectation and and full blown like is (laughs) is way way less, you know. Okay, he's going for something else, you know. Um, Yeah, I don't like how the vocals flow, and I don't like the voice. 
here. As we go forward, there are parts where I'm like, okay, I like I like the cadence, I like how it moves, um, and the vocal pattern and how it sounds gets better to me. But on this song, I'm like, yo, wh- wh- what are we doing? Like, I actually <laughs> love the riff and. And I don't mind it as an opener. I'm like, okay, this is a cool place to start this record, you know? Um, but at the same time, you're introduced to everything the Sex Pistols are, which is Johnny Rotten being Johnny Rotten and kind of, bleh, you know, this like snotty, all over the place vocal pattern. And um, this is probably. I, this isn't one of the singles. Oh, it is. It's it actually is, the yeah. last single. Yeah. Um, least catchy vocals of the singles. But I also want to say this. Pete, this song's three minutes and 22 seconds. It feels like it could be cut. Yeah, it like, feels a little long. feels a little long. This is going to be a recurring theme. Um, <laughs> what about you? What say you? I actually... Um, so... We mentioned the big riffs on this record. I'm just going to give my my uh, kind of capsule version about how I feel about Please. everything, and then I'll get into the song. This record has riffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this record is actually super catchy. Um, I find myself like kind of humming these songs, and like when they come on, I'm like, like it gets to the chorus, and I'm like, I'm there for it. Um, at the same time. I have like a love hate relationship with it because as much as I think it's catchy, I am kind of with you and just really not liking Johnny Rotten's vocals here. It's just like, it's just too much for me. I I don't like it. Um, That being said, I think this is a strong first song. I actually, I like the marching boots at the beginning. It sounds Mm. intense. It's kind of like this statement. Um, The riff is iconic. Johnny Rotten's vocals, just like you said, like it's all there right here in the first song. Um, so if you're not here for like any piece of this, then it's really mm-hmm. going to be a slog for you to listen to this record. Um, I think it's a strong opener though, overall. Um, the only thing that I actually never put together, despite being a good jam or a, 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 a fan of the band, the jam. Yeah. The riff from this song is, is the riff from in the city by the jam really and and i i I figured that out as i was reading along like and then i listened to the two back to back and i found this great story where apparently and maybe this is like apocryphal and never happened who knows but like apparently when this record came out sid vicious saw paul weller from the jam at a bar and walked up to him and was just kind of being like complete, like drunken dickhead and being like, I ripped your song off and we're going to mm-hmm. make it a hit. Like just watch, you know, and was kind of like getting in his face about it. And Paul Weller just like one punched him and knocked him out. <laughs> Love it. And, uh, and his quote, he was asked about this numerous times, like including when he was like in the eighties, when he was doing the style council. Yes. <laughs> and his quote is he started it and I finished it. So good. And I was like, that's amazing. <sighs> real recognize real okay so yeah, a good song pulled down by many things um bodies um i like the chorus of this i think the chorus is catchy 
the lyrics are a bit much. It's like this weird kind of non-statement on abortion. I feel like a lot of people have tried to kind of make this song like pro-abortion or anti-abortion or something like or pro-choice or something. But like, mm. I feel like it's just this kind of chaotic mess. I don't know that it really has a message other than like chaos, the chaos of life, which is like what this band is like kind of their whole MO, right? Yeah. Um, apparently there's like some truth to the lyrical content where there was this woman that was in a mental institution and like had an abortion and told Johnny Rotten, like kind of the vivid details of the whole thing. And he was really impacted by it and wrote the lyrics to the song. Um, so lyrics to this, I feel like are like their whole, like this whole other beast. Um, the song itself, like it's got again, like big riff, just rock and roll energy. Um, yep. And I think I like it more than Holidays in the Sun. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, ultimately, like, I'm never going to the Sex Pistols for <laughs> this type of energy is the problem with all of these songs, really. But like, but overall, like, it's like, it's a solid song. What do you think? I mean, so to me, this song's fine. Uh, nothing hits me as as interesting as that riff from Holiday in the Sun. Um the vocals are better when he gets snarlier. Feels a little more teeth in it. Yeah. But like, why is this song three minutes long? Why? <laughs> why? Are, why are we? Why are we? Like, by the way, it's not like there's a lot of movements or like, hey, we're gonna do something different. It's just three minutes of the same song. Right. And the tempo is so plotting where it would have been more interesting if they went a little faster, but it never deviates from that like lazy beat is what I'm going to call it. It just is like, all right, here we are. And so it, it starts to drag. I think it's a, a on the better side of the, this album for sure. But like it just, even as I was listening the second or third time on this record, I'm like, Oh yeah, man, this is, this is, this record is longer than I, think it should be so <laughs> yeah i i agree with what you said about his vocals where like kind of the moment where he's like i'm not an animal like that's yeah that's that's the part when he does that version of himself that's yeah. my favorite uh john lyden so maybe that's no why I, I like uh it just, this song it, more it, than it a lot of it in a lot better i mean as far as this goes so so the next song uh no feelings um I actually like the music here. It feels like it slots in nicely next to uh, like the Buzzcocks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not rewriting anything, but it's a solid punk track, and this one doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not my favorite song on the record, but it's right there. It's close. Yeah, no, I, I like this one a lot too. I I think for the reason that you said, it sounds more akin to the Buzzcocks mm-hmm. um, than I guess your kind of quintessential Sex Pistol songs on this record. So uh, yeah, it just I like has it for a that. touch more of a like a, of a melody and and the parts connect and it just flows. It's together. not as snotty either. No, the snottiness really takes me out. Um, yeah, and so yeah, it doesn't. Um, so uh, liar.
like the kind of one note weird guitar lead in the middle of this. Yep. Oh, um, I, I said the exact same. I like the guitar wankering around a minute 30. It adds yeah, a really fun texture. For sure. Like that's really cool. And I wish that there was more of that in this record. Because aside from that, this this song is just kind of like Sex Pistols paint by numbers to me. Yeah. I, I, I It's... Um, I think John Rotten's vocals are a little more dynamic here than Holidays in the Sun or some of the, or even Bodies. But um, this is where I was like, okay, his vocals are actually working with the song as opposed to in competition with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned that guitar part. That's the best part of the song. Otherwise, the song goes just a touch too long. Like if they pull the plug on this one at two minutes, like we're great. And and here's the thing. This song isn't an epic. Like on this record, it is the second shortest song. Here's the issue. It's 241, but based on what you get from the music, it could have been wrapped at a minute 45. Yeah. Like you could really have gotten everything. Let's even pull it out to two minutes. You you pull the plug on this song at two minutes. I'm like, whoa, cool track. But I'm sitting there for the extra minute going, okay. We're getting more repetitions. All right. Like, it's almost like it's trying to hit a pole, you know, like hit the post. Like, all right, we got to get to the near two. We need to be between two minutes and 30 seconds and three minutes and 30 seconds, guys. Yeah. Like, why? What are you doing? Um, yeah. Antecedent to the idea of punk and, and breaking formulas because this record is very formulaic. Very. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's one of the problems with listening to it as an album. When you listen to this record as an album, you hear this stuff as a like, oh, where are we at here, guys? For sure. I mean, I I, I think it really works for them being a singles band. If they if they had been like a singles band, singles only, they would have been very fascinating. They would have been very fascinating. What would this band have done with an album? For sure. Because you imagine more more dynamics than what happened here. Um, Yeah, you just don't get it. Absolutely. Next song, problems. Yeah, so this is talking about long songs. Like this doesn't have to be over four minutes. Um, nope. It's solid. Um, I, I mean, I'll give it to Johnny Rotten in, in the in the way that like you kind of mentioned it in Liar, but he he really does try out a lot of different versions of himself on this mm-hmm. record. Um, his vocals can be really dynamic. He tries a lot of different things depending on the song and. This is another one where I feel like he's trying something different. I just don't really like what he's doing here all that much. Um, nor do I love this song. Like again, there there are certain songs on this record I think that are really impactful and classic, and then there are other songs that just kind of feel like Sex Pistols paint by numbers. And this song feels like that to me. And it the fact that it's over four minutes doesn't really help because it is really formulaic. So for me, I, I agree largely, um, but the guitar work comes in and starts to save us. We have a really sharp rock guitar song here, um, a little more teeth on the riffing and uh, than than others. But this is exactly where um, I think the vocals being like when we get the slightly sassy, playful side of the vocals, mm-hmm. it hurts a song like this. Because this could be a mean song with a different vocal approach. Sure. Like, I like that problem, problems, problems chorus. That part works well, but the rest of the vocals, I'm like, man, just if, if it seemed more engaged, 
this could be a track. Um, this probably is my favorite song on the record. Oh, wow. If it was a minute and 30 seconds shorter. <laughs> like, there why is it this long? Yeah. You know, at this point, I'm like, what are we doing? Um, God save the queen. God save us, Pete. I mean, this is an iconic track, obviously. Yep. It's like a quintessential punk anthem. Um, this is this is played on, you know, uh, 15 second clips behind like every like rock documentary that describes 1977, you know? Yeah. So, yep. um, the guitar has a lot of the big rock overtones that it doesn't get credit for. Like, this isn't just like, oh, wow, it's a punk riff. It's like, no, this is like a buzzsaw ripping... 70s guitar riff it's, yeah, great. it's like big room rock riff yeah yeah the rest of the song almost ve- vocal vehicle because the production is crazy on his vocals it's laying True. on top of it yeah it beats along without a driving energy to the song it's just like oh we have that riff which is great but they barely form a song around it <laughs> i think it's a cool song but you have to be like really in on the bit for this to get you worked up yeah, I mean, like, the, yo, I think anybody who hears this at first is like, oh, yeah, and you pop your head. If you're actually listening to this song for three minutes and 20 seconds, you don't bop in your head after about a minute 40. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, the like, I, I like get, I, it's like cringy to me that like, we mean it, Matt. Like, I really like, I, I can't even handle it. Yo, I don't um, care about the queen. Um, <laughs> I mean, I get the energy. I get that this was supposed to be this like real shake up song, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I actually I like the story behind it where it actually hit number one, but the BBC would re- like refuse to play it because it was yes. too offensive. Like I, I think that's cool. Like it was really impactful at the time in that respect. But, but yeah, I don't know if it's like age like that. Yeah, and nor do I really care about the Queen. Yeah, don't care. <laughs> Seventeen. Um. So this is one of those songs that I just, it reminded me like, oh yeah, I've only listened to this record a handful of times in my right. entire life yeah, because right. I, I just never, I didn't recognize this song in any way. Um, uh, so it starts with a 70s rock creep in. Like it's just yeah. a 70s rock song. It's a guitar lick. That's a lick. People, long time <laughs> listeners know we did the lick versus riff. Yeah. Um, this is a lick. Um, it's the most guitar rock song on the record. I don't got much else to say about it. At this point, though, you start to really feel like, oh, okay, it's a formula. Noted, it's the shortest song on the record, too. I, I, I'm not mad at it. Yeah, I mean, it's the... I pay attention to the lyrical content, I guess, selectively when we when we um, review records. Typically, typically when I listen to music, I do pay attention to the lyrical content, but like sometimes when we're discussing things, I don't bring it up as much, but with the Sex Pistols, the vocals are so upfront and mm-hmm. so primary that I felt like I had to just like do the deep dive into the lyrics. And this is like the sort of punk mentality slash attitude slash whatever that always rubbed me the wrong way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think as a result, I just like, even if the song was good, I'd just be like, ugh, like, <laughs> nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't have much time for this one. Anarchy in the UK. Anarchy for the UK. It's coming sometime. I might be. I can't 
punk anthem um i actually really felt this song when i heard it on some listens and on other listens i was like i never need to hear this song again um i think the first few lines of this record of this song are so iconic agree i agree Um, with you and i think it's just like it's it's such a statement um that still feels like resonant somehow but at the same time I don't even know if I love this song all that much. I mean, it's, it's the riff, the riff is there. The energy is there. Great riff, great riff hidden under the, like the, the snot vocal track. Yeah. Um, I, I noted here the album. Listen, this is where you feel it's super paint by numbers formulaic. I use the exact same term as you did. Does this record have enough guitar moments for it to survive someone who's not here for the the overall vibe and vocal style. That's the thing. Yeah. I'm not sure. But like as I've noted, like yo, there's there's some real cool guitar stuff going on on this record. Yeah. I think honestly, it, it is going to be a wild take. If they had an above average drummer playing this record, this might be an interesting record to listen to. It might be able. It might be able to overcome the vocals, even for someone who's really not here for it, who's pushing against it. Right. I'm sure there's records you like. I know there are for me where the vocals are probably my least favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Um, by this point in the record, I'm like, man, I might like the vocals better than I like the drumming because the drumming just takes me out because I feel like whenever we are getting to a part of the music that isn't full riff, yeah. I'm like, Whoa, are we serious? There's nothing else you could be doing. Nothing else you could be filling the space with here. Cause yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's, that's true. I mean, that's like, that's part of, in a way it's like part of the charm of the whole record is that these dudes like could barely put a song together, but at the same time, yeah, it, it gets, it gets kind of grating because there's just like, no dynamic other than like John Lydon being like super, you know, charismatic at certain points or um, Steve Jones just having like some big room riff at at different points. But that's like, that's all that's holding it together. Well, we finally get a change up with submission Um, tempo change. I, I think I said it prior guitars push the percussion to a different place. Yeah. And the song feels super fresh because of that. (laughs) <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, especially in an album listen. Uh different feel in the vocals, the vocal the different feel in the production, the vocals are much deeper, less shrilly. Uh the song's still about a minute and a half too long. Yeah, 
too long. Um, I, I do like how it switches it up a little bit and it felt refreshing. This was another one that I just had no re- recollection of ever hearing. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like I'm, I wasn't particularly thrilled by it. I felt like, I felt like it lacked energy mm. compared to a lot of the bigger moments on this record, which kind of took me out of it. Um, so I like the change of pace, but at the same time, I'm, I just didn't like the song that much. So yeah, that, that was what, where I came to. I think the song is okay. It actually feels better in album flow because it's a change up. Yeah. So uh, the song itself, mm, but um, pretty vacant. This song, very memorable to me. Me too. This is maybe my favorite. I think this is actually my favorite of these because I, I think I said, uh, what did I say? Was it No Feelings or... Um, uh, no, said problems, 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 problems. Yeah. But, but this is actually my favorite song on the record. Um, great riffing, an actually catchy chorus. Uh, vocals are up front, but they're not over the top or mixed too high. This is the song that I felt like it was like, okay, this is like a cousin to the you know, 74 to 76 CBs scene, you know? Yeah. I was like, okay, there's, there's some interesting stuff going on on this song. Yeah. No, you, you said all of it. I, I think, um, the, it's just the pace is there. The energy's there. The chorus is super catchy. Um, it still has that just like annoying, like punk edge of like vacant, you know, like he has yes, to just do that, which I'm just like, know. okay, that's fine. I'll give it to you. But um, yeah, I like the song a lot. It's probably my favorite. On the like record. maybe by this point in the record, I've just been so beaten down by his vocals. <laughs> that I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah, fine, exactly. Fine. Yeah. You're just like, it's cool. Okay. This is less annoying than other things you've done. So it's fine. New York. Um, another one I didn't remember hearing. I don't like this song and I think it's maybe the weakest moment on the album. Oh, interesting. I think the song is bad. I think, uh, someone should please rift lift this song because the guitar work is pretty cool. There's some fun, fun and like dynamic, good back and forth in the guitar. It rips a little bit. Everything else about this song sort of sucks. Yeah. Feels like the patronizing, like, hey, hello, Springfield <laughs> of the record. And I just don't care. You must. Too many people have the sass. Too many people support us. An unlimited amount. Too many outlets in and out. So I actually, this song jogged some memories for me. And I realized that this was my introduction to the Sex Pistols because Ooh. this song was on a snowboard video that wow. I had when I was like young, young. And um, I really liked it. And then it felt dangerous. And it was like one of those things like, you know, when 
your cousin is like next to you listening to Ace of Base on his headphones <laughs> and you like and you hear like EMI and you're like, wow, this sounds wild. Like, what is this band? Right. Um, and I ultimately didn't end up getting the CD or anything at that time. But I really remember this song and the impact that it had on me. So like, it's hard for me to parse that with yep. how I actually feel about it. Um, but I like the song. I mean, it brings back memories of like just getting into punk and all of that. Um, I think the version that was on the Snowbird video actually, though, was the the live version from mm. from their last show, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. which is much, much more intense and I think much better. Um, this recorded version didn't really hit me the way that that did, but um, I like the song. I think it's catchy. And actually, like his charismatic vocals at the end, just like, hello, EMI. Bye bye. Like I actually, I like that as a closer to the record. It feels, <sighs> it feels appropriate. Um, yeah. So yeah. What do you think, though? I mean, it's fine. <laughs> uh, it's fun. It's nothing really of substance here for me, unless you're like fully in the bag for the vibe. Yeah, I get it. I get that it's this anti-label song, so I'm kind of like, okay, that's interesting. The story behind it's sort of kind of interesting enough you know it is interesting but like maybe the story is better than the song it's cool that they did it it's cool that it's called emi yeah um but i think to get really worked up about it you kind of got to be in the bag for the whole thing and uh pete i i am not i am not there you go i'm not sex pistols never mind the bollocks there it is um, we did it <laughs> surprised by the riffing i like it um everything else so why don't we get to uh, get to our ratings here? Pete, let's break it down. We'll go through the categories to get to what our cumulative score is for this thing. Uh, holistic quality out of 20. How good is this just in a holistic, like, I'd feel comfortable saying, yeah, give this a listen. It's good. Uh, I have to give it like an eight because it's, it's important. Mm -hmm. There are good riffs on it. I'm just so split on kind of the importance of it versus how I actually feel about it. Yep. So I just, I split the difference and gave it a little less than a yeah, 10. I, I, I was in the same spot. I give it a nine. I, I okay. just don't find a ton redeeming other than an academic listen. Yeah. Like that's one of the things I kept returning to. I was trying to think like, if you're not 13 and like really jazzed up to get mad, like there's so many better records to get mad at the world with at this point. Um, or like feel like, like playing loud will make your parents mad. Like, yo, you, you want an old record to play that'll make your parents mad? Put on like Slayer or Obituary. I don't know. You know, like, like this record is quaint in comparison. Um, yeah. So no, it's a, it's a nine. Uh, mostly gets there for some of the guitar stuff as mentioned. Cool. The highs. How high, how good were the good points of this record? Pete, for me, it was a five. So not that high. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I uh, I went, maybe it's because I have some nostalgia attached to particularly EMI. Um, I actually gave it an eight. Um, just because it's it's so iconic. I can't mm -hmm. take that away from mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, are you in... Are you and your significant other going as Sid and Nancy for Halloween this year? Or 
she always has to be kind of partner to me listening to a lot of this stuff because yeah. it's like around the house and in the car and wherever. Oh, yeah. She was not happy with this one. So, yeah, I don't think so. Okay, okay. And now how about the lows? How bad were the bads? It gets pretty bad for me, <laughs> like to the point where I actually want to take it off the turntable or, yeah, you yeah. know, just turn it off. Uh, so I gave it a two. Yeah, I gave it a three. I think it's pretty bad. Um, now, this was a tough one competency or peer review again out of 10 how good is this how well played how competent are they and then how does it compare to their peers pete i gave this a five of ten and i think i might be being generous yeah i gave it a six okay because compared to the peers like like when we cover that wire record which i think pink flag actually came out the same year as this sure um i remember Maybe talking after, about how, right there, yeah. how 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 they uh, like musicianship was so important to them. They really wanted to be a good band. They did not want to be like a punk band, right. quote unquote. Like mess. They didn't want to. They didn't. They wanted people to take them seriously. Um, and as a result, they wanted to play their instruments well. And this just feels like kind of thrown together. So like compared to the peers, it's a different thing entirely. Um, and the competency, like it 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 just feels like lightning in a bottle like these dudes came together they all kind of barely knew how to play their instruments they had some sort of like marketing mastermind that was kind of like shaping some of it um so it ended up being more impactful than it maybe would have been otherwise um yeah i don't know six i feel like i gave it it's maybe i'm being generous too i don't know like how who do we compare let's compare it to like i i think i think most Ramones, I mean, every Ramones record is better than this. Um, <laughs> I think every class acid eaters. Uh, I think every class. Yeah, record no, is I know better what you mean. I'm just. Joking. Yeah, I know you are. I think every yeah. class record is better than this, and especially if you compare like the early Clash material, it's better. Um, the Buzzcocks started get, putting singles out in '77. Oh man, significantly better. Significantly I mean, better. The that's Dead the problem. Boys, better. Like that's that's the problem. Like even if I'm just to say like. Hey, why listen to the Sex Pistols when the Buzzcocks and um, the Damned exist at the same right, time? Right, like, right. Like, and there's so many other examples. There's so many more bands, you know, that were going on at no, that time. Right, like, like yo, uh, Young, Loud, and Snotty is Dead Boys '77. Uh, it's better. It's just better. Um, it's better. It's so good. Yeah. Right, and so like, there's just and it kind of has that same attitude to your it, point. Yes, yeah, right. Mean, and it's like to me, it feels a lot less. I mean, I don't want to be mean. It just feels less contrived, but the music is just better. Mm-hmm. Damned, similar time frame. I'm not even Jimmy Damned, but like, it's better. Damn, damn, damn is a better record than Nevermind the Box. Um, mm. So I, I gave it a I gave it a five out of ten, and I, like I said, I feel like maybe I'm being generous. Um, drag factor out of ten. Does this record drag? Uh, yes, it does. So I gave it a three. Gave it a three. Exact same. Flow out of ten. Five out of. I gave this a five out of ten. Um, it does flow reasonably well, but but as noted, some of the production is all over the place, and it almost feels more like a singles collection. Like here's here's a single, and here's a B side, and maybe two B side. Here's a single, and here's a B side, and here's a single, and here's a B side. You know. Um, yeah. So five out of that 10. was 
I was along the same lines. I give it a four because yeah, it's it's it feels like a collection of songs. It doesn't feel like an album. It's funny that it's such an iconic album, and yet right. like it sounds so the most iconic mixed. album that no one listens to as an album. I mean, that's a fact, man. I think it's so. just it's one of those things you have to include in your Rolling Stone top five hundred album list. Yeah, but it's but like, like such nobody a actually farce, listens to it, right? Like, I yeah. think it's such a farce. <laughs> it's such a put on. Like, um, all right, aesthetic. So the look, the feel, obviously this is an iconic looking record out of 10. Um, but I came to a, a reckoning here, Pete. I acknowledge that it's iconic. I acknowledge that it's pretty neat. I don't mm-hmm. love it. It's a six out of 10 for me. That's fair. I I went full, just like strictly kind of judging the aesthetic and the presentation. Mm-hmm. And I gave it a 10 because of that. That's fine. Be- because Because at this point, the Sex Pistols are a t-shirt and they're not a band. And Right. And this branding is incredible. It's been ripped off a hundred times, a million times. A th- like it is no joke. This has been ripped off across mediums a thousand times. So yeah. Um, impact influence. How much, how impactful, how influential is this record? Uh, it's a nine out of 10 to me. I, I mean, it's, I, I I I challenge direct impact to a lot mm-hmm. of people, right? But like they inspired so many things and inspired so many bands and were so important. Like me giving it a nine out of ten might even be short shifting it. So I don't feel bad that I feel like I over graded them a couple spots before. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I I. This is another one I almost wanted to give it a 10. I gave it an 8 just because yep. of what you mentioned about the, like, is it a direct influence or was it mm-hmm. other things that was going on at the time? So, yeah, I parsed that with an 8. And the intangibles. This is kind of the anything goes. Like, uh, do you have warm feelings? Do you have negative feelings? What do you... I-, I settled in giving it a 3. Oh, wow. I just didn't feel any warmth towards this thing, man. That's fair. I, I gave it a good listen. I actually did like the guitar stuff. That was a bit revelatory. I was happy with that. I'll revisit a couple of the tracks. Um, I'm going to rip off the song New York for some of the guitar stuff uh, <laughs> for my solo project. So keep an ear out for that. But I just didn't feel any true warmth for this. And it's once again, like here I am, a person who's enjoyed punk and, and music spinoffs from it for most of my life now. This record means nothing to me. Yeah. I know. That's the weird part. Mm-hmm. What about you? I feel I feel like it should. Um, yeah. Intangibles, I gave it a seven because um, I kind of went the opposite way where I was just thinking more about like the impact of it. Like, why is this as important as it is? Like, just the fact that it was like, you know, fashion meets, meets music, meets culture, meets all <sighs> yeah. these things that just like, were in a pot and you boiled them together and somehow it ended up being like one of the most influential records of all, all right, time. You know so you I just, I had to be fair. You talked me into a four because <laughs> I actually do. I like the Westwood. I like the McLaren stuff. I like that conversation. I like it yeah. as an interesting thing. It is interesting to me. Um, it doesn't help me like this record more, but I'll, I'll throw an extra point to them. Well, that. that's, I mean, that's like what this is to me. It's, it's like, I guess we get into the, are you adding this to, 
to your collection question, which you said affirm no. Like I have it. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lose it, but it's strictly an artifact. Like I'm never gonna pull it out really. Right. Right. Like uh Yeah, I <laughs> Like I like looking at the cover. Uh, by the way, I like looking at the back cover and the labels of this record a lot more. I just mm-hmm. think it, it does look cool. It is a cool looking record. The back cover with the you know the um, cut and paste like yeah you know uh, the song ransom title note is kind of like stuff, out of order. The ransom note. Yeah, it's cool. Like that's cool, but. <sighs> uh, Pete, uh, that gives me a final score of a 49 out of 100. Wow. Where do you land? I landed at a 56. Be honest. How many points did you give it extra just so you could have it be closer to your Blink-182 score? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. My Blink-182 score is... I don't remember what it was, but it's probably so much higher than this. My Blink-182 score is way higher. (laughs) So uh, I guess we're posers. I'm a poser at least. I mean, I dislike that record for similar reasons. Like it's, it's mostly just the aesthetic and the lyrical content, the music. Uh, I actually, but the music I like a lot more. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I mean, to me, the, the lyrics on this record, they don't, heard it they don't pull me in i feel no connection to it but but i'll also say this i didn't feel like as a young person where when you're a teen i think punk lyrics probably matter more the limited exposure i had the lyrics never touched me in any sort of way like there was no connection to lyrical content on the sex pistols record as a teen and that's the thing is like if you're a weird angry out of sync out of step teenager and punk lyrics aren't catching you yo that that says something about that punk band (laughs) well yeah i mean that's that's the thing like you mentioned before i think really early in the episode about how hardcore had kind of firmly moved away from this and Mm. that's what you got into i mean hardcore for me was like a catharsis it was like it was like a productive way to kind of channel whatever anger or frustrations or trauma you were dealing with mm-hmm. but it also like kind of provided solutions sure sure um, sure, sure which which is like a really really important part of punk and hardcore to me as a kid mm-hmm. whereas like this just feels so nihilistic i like i never i never wanted to go down that road because i feel like had i gone down that road and i feel like i knew this kind of instinctually as a kid like it doesn't end well you know, like Sid Vicious doesn't end well. Like even yeah. John Lydon, like it doesn't seem like that ends well. Like that sort of attitude. I don't know. I, I no, just I never, I, I never really it. had a place for it. I gotta say this. I don't even mind some of the nihilism. I, 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 I mean, don't mind a the time darkness. and a place. Right, yeah. right, right. But this, the nihilism presented here to me never felt particularly unique, endearing, or relatable. If yeah. that makes sense, and I think yeah. that that matters. You know, like. Oh, does your version of this like does this connect with any? Does anyone f- actually feel this, or is it just like you know? And <laughs> and I hate to to use this like funny noise I'm making with my mouth is symbolic of of a whole energy, but that's where it ends up to me is it's like unintelligible barf sound. 
Like, okay. Well, it, really, like, it really is. And that's, that's what's unappealing. It's just like a fuck you. And it's like, well, yeah. why? And it's like, well, just because fuck you. Right, and it's exactly. Like, well, it's the simulation of feeling messed up or like feeling out of sync, out of step with the world as opposed to actually feeling that way right. and expressing it in a way that like connects to someone else where that's what I felt, you know, like even where I didn't think necessarily that a music felt like actually gave me solutions. Yeah. At least I felt relatable. I felt like I was like, okay, okay. Like I'm connecting how this person feels to the way I'm feeling. Like I don't feel alone in this unreasonable frustration, you know? Right. Right. Um, and I just don't get that here at all. I just, you know, it's it's the fuck you. Why? Whoa, fuck you. Ah, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. okay. You know, I just, man, hang up the phone. Um, <laughs> Pete, where can the people follow us on Instagram and Twitter? They can follow us at, Trox, at, at TraxPod. And they can send us wonderful emails, which we have like literally like coming out our ears. So thank you so much we to everybody who's been thank messaging. You. Uh, they can send us those emails at trackspod at gmail.com. And Bob, I have one question for you. Let's hear it. As a closer, do you think Blink-182 listened to the Sex Pistols? <sighs> yes. <laughs> but not too much. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.